Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your hustle and Kate like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. And uh, Noel, uh, this is a just a... A special podcast for one of our listeners, Vince, because Vince has been wanting us to talk about a certain show for a while, and uh, we finally we, we watched it. So, Vince, well, we watched half of it. We watched half of it, Vince. This is for you. We would have watched more, but every episode is like seventy five minutes, and that's too long. And it's not dubbed. It's so, not dubbed. I mean, yeah. We are talking about it's okay not to be okay, which is a K drama, a romance. From last year that was very well received um, and and uh, reviewed and like one of the highest rated as well in theory. Yeah. As much in as theory. these can be for a Netflix show. Um, uh, it was really uh, it was a really neat show to watch. I just should have started watching it sooner because then I would have watched more of it because uh, I was not able to binge it in a way that I normally would. Because they're just, the episodes are too long for me. And to be fair, I would argue, not a super bingeable show. Not a bingeable show. There's a lot of like, this is messed up. (laughs) There's that. There's some other stuff about it too that I feel like kind of pushes against a binging model. But we can talk about it. Um, And we will. But that doesn't, that's not to say it's not a very good show. It is a very good show in my opinion. But it is not the way that I normally watch stuff for the podcast, which is scrambling at the last minute. Um, like the procrastinator that I am. <laughs> so, well, that's coming at the end of the show. Um, looking forward to your thoughts, Vince, and anyone else who watched um, It's Okay Not To Be Okay season one, um, or just the, we're talking about the first half of the season. The We heard from some of our listeners, we heard from Ben uh, a while back, a couple weeks ago, and I kept meaning to talk about it on Streaming in Place, because it was about Keep Your Hands Off Azokin. Um, But then I kept forgetting when we were doing that. So I figured I'd put it here. Ben says, thanks for another great episode of Streaming in Place. I had to pause during the student council scene. Um, This is the episode five and six of Keep Your Hands Off Azokin to see the list of clubs. I particularly like the Lore Appreciation Club, the Saw Table Tennis Club, and the Man-Faced Fish Investigation Lab. Also, the uh, Sakaza freakout in the city scene was just so beautiful. It really stood out to me. Um, yes, the 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 captioning, and this is something we talked about in Streaming Place, but the captioning for Keep Your Hands Off Azokin that they do where they make sure that everything is um, very, like, like all the text and stuff gets subtitled as well, but you, but you definitely have to pause to catch it. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate that that uh, whoever, it was HBO Max or Crunchyroll or Crunchy whoever. Roll. Crunchyroll was like, no, you're going to get these jokes because they're good. And they are. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's not always the case. And it's actually one of the things I'm worried about with the um, Funimation-Crunchyroll merger. Because mm-hmm. um, Funimation is not great at that. Good to know. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the correct side wins out in yeah, that. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we'll see. Um, we also ho- heard from Nicole, who reached out because uh, she has just started watching Lucifer. And so she wanted to know how she could find the streaming in place episodes about Lucifer so she could listen along um, to that now that she's watching the show. Because after a while, I think there's only like, <laughs> air quotes only, like 50 episodes in the M4A feed um, before they get pushed down and you can't see them anymore. Um, but the MP3 feed listeners, if you want to go back to our back catalog, 
The entire back catalog is available on the MP3 feed. If you just keep scrolling, just keep scrolling, just keep scrolling. Um, so you can find that there. And uh, you can also search on the website um, from for keywords or like episode this or that. You can Google it and find out what episode it is. And then go to theteleverse.org slash episode number, number, number. And it'll yeah. come up. That would be what I'd recommend is doing a Google search for the Televerse plus Lucifer and whatever the episode, like, pilot. Mm-hmm. And that should land you right at that spot. Yeah. And for streaming in place, it's SIP00 whatever. In that case, we started with Lucifer. So 001 yeah. was our first episode of streaming in place. Um, so so if listeners are curious about that. That is how you can find all of that. Nicole said, I wanted, uh, I'm loving the Lucifer episodes because I told her to reach out when she, you know, let us know what she thought about the show. Um, will you be doing more streaming in place episodes for the second half of season five? Yes. Noel had to step away from streaming in place. So he will not be joining us, unfortunately, for Lucifer. But Allison and myself and announcing here special guest friend of the podcast, Latoya Ferguson, at least sometimes, will be joining for our discussion of the second half of Lucifer season five, which will be how we wrap up streaming in place. Um, because that will take us, we're going to be doing Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so that we can get all the episodes covered. Before I have to go have a baby. Before you explode. <laughs> yeah, before I explode. Um, uh, Nicole says, also, I love The Nanny, too, and I'm glad that you loved it. Uh, I remember watching it as a kid, and I loved watching it again. It was different to watch the show with a laugh track again, but it didn't bother me like I thought it might. It was nice to watch something that could actually, that could make me laugh. Um, yeah. Right? It, it It is so, like, it's so fitting. And it's something we talked about with The Nanny, because it's got that Lucy vibe. Yeah. The I Love Lucy vibe. The laugh track feels very appropriate. It really works. Um, so it it's not as jarring as you might expect. Yeah. And that show, like, has a studio audience in some cases. Um, doesn't in others. Um, mm-hmm. Just for various reasons. Um, but they definitely have, like, professional laughers, basically. <laughs> um, for some of it. And then just mixed them. Uh, so it's a weird situation of, like, pre-recorded laughs. And, like, there was definitely a studio audience for the finale, though. Um, so yeah, there's, there's sometimes a studio audience and sometimes there is not just kind of depends on the episode as well. It depends on how much they use like flashbacks and montages and that kind of stuff, whether it's something that they'll be able to actually, you know, shoot in front of like in sequence in front of an audience in a way that makes sense. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Um, so yeah, glad you enjoyed it, Nicole. Uh, hopefully you're listening to this one, unless she's like me by the time she hears, uh, that, like catches up with enough Lucifer to find out that we're doing the, the last half of Lucifer. The podcast will be on hiatus, so um, hopefully you hear this before then. There, there is some TV news, but uh, this week, but it all pales in comparison to the most important TV news, which is why this is the only TV news we're talking about this week. And that's listeners, the CW has announced there's going to be an animated Bebo Christmas special, Bebo Saves Christmas. And it's going to be narrated by Victor Garber. I am very excited about this. Noel, how do you feel about this news? This is so ridiculous and I'm very excited about it. Um, but it also begs the question of why I don't have Bebo merch. Like, I, right? I don't understand why I don't have Bebo merch and why I have not bought Bebo merch for Baby Kolzik. Because like, they don't, don't make it available. Like, they understand. I don't understand. Clearly, the CW understands the, the the draw of Bebo because they have put Bebo in the opening credits 
for Legends. And granted, that's the show doing it, but still, like, it's the demand is there. They've ordered a Bebo animated Christmas special, but can mm-hmm. I buy a Bebo doll at Comic Con? No, I've tried. Obviously, not last year because it didn't happen. And not this year, because it's not happening this year. But before the pandemic, I scoured the Comic-Con floor for Bebo merch, and it was not available. And if you can't buy it at Comic-Con, where can you buy it? <sighs> Etsy? I guess probably. I bet there's... Etsy. Yeah, well, the, yeah, I'm just saying, Etsy like, versions. the CW, make your coin. Let us yeah. give you money for Bebo. Yeah. I would happily buy a stuffed Bebo to put along my Appa. Like, do you <laughs> know how happy Appa would be with a Bebo? Not very. But... <laughs> I think it would look very cute up it would on look my very shelf cute. next to Appa. It would be absolutely very adorable, and that's where it belongs. That's where it belongs. Um, any other thoughts this week, or shall we dive in with our Week in TV? No, let's uh, go ahead and get started with our Week in TV, because there is a fair bit of it. There's quite a bit to talk about. So we'll take a break, listen to some music, and be right back after this. TV, we're going to talk briefly about Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and their episode on sponsored content. I'll check in just with a few, you know, a little salty takes on uh, Drag Race Down Under, Rue Cycle. Then we're going to catch up with Star Wars The Bad Batch, because I'm caught up. This week's episode was Cornered. And then we had Legends of Tomorrow, Bay of Squids. The Flash had Family Matters Part 2. Superman and Lois had Man of Steel. And we'll round things out with the series finale of Black Lightning, The Book of Resurrection, Chapter 2, closure. So first up is Last Week Tonight with John Oliver and his segment on sponsored content. This one felt more like, don't we all know this? Oh, we don't all know this. Okay. But I think for me, the fact, like the 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 Venus Veil actually airing <laughs> multiple markets kind of like bumped this one up for me. So I was, but I was like, okay, fair enough. You earned it by the, by the end. Uh, what did you think of this, of this episode? Yeah, I think it highlights a good thing of highlighting how local news sometimes uncritically engages in sponsored content promotion. And for those who didn't watch the episode, this refers to folks who come on to hawk themselves or their wares or whatever on local news, um, either a local news um, telecast or like a daytime extension of that. Um, with maybe a disclaimer that you blink and you miss it kind of deal, um, that the people who are coming on pay the network, pay the, pay the affiliate, I should say, um, to say crystals, these crystals will heal you, these stem cells will heal you, um, and all this stuff. And there's very little, like, vetting, basically, um, in a number of instances. 
And so, as Kate said, the veil, the Venus veil, um, or what it was that what it was called? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was a blanket, um, which <laughs> just looks like blanket. one of those fuzzy <laughs> blankets that I would never ever use myself because this is a texture thing. It feels weird. Um, so I'm of two minds. Like I appreciate kind of exploiting this. Um, I don't love like the weird kind of gotcha aspect of it. Like it makes me a little queasy. Um, even if it's a good thing to highlight because it will hopefully allow those, um, three affiliates to review those practices. Um, but it also feels like you're putting them on blast and it's a weird kind of situation of you should be put on blast, but also maybe just a email of, Hey, by the way. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, like I'm, I, I just, it made me feel a little weird watching it, especially for, like, those newscasters who may not have had much say in what gets picked for this. Um, which is the other thing that this segment doesn't get into, is, like, how do these get even chosen on, like, a decision-making level? Um, so, the I think it's good that they called it out, but I just, I don't like the way that they did it. How did How did that play for you? Do you... Did you feel somewhat uneasy about it? Or just generally, yeah, get them. I like the specificity, and I think it's necessary, talking about, like, local affiliates of this, the specificity of, oh, it's not just local news. It's like, this, here's here's a specific affiliate in this city, this channel did this. this yes. In this city, this channel did this, right? I like, as opposed to just having a generic conversation about this practice and why it's bad. So I like that element of it. I I hadn't considered, but when now you mention it, I think it's a good point of, is this punching down? Is this not, right? Uh, because you have a massive audience. You are HBO. You are, you know, Last Week Tonight. Um, so I, I, I like that thought, and I'll have to engage with it a little bit more just to decide exactly where I fall on it. Yeah, um, sure. I do think, though, if you are taking a paycheck as the medical consultant and, you know, spokesperson for a, a, a net local news channel. And then you are also doing the sponsored content things. That is a clear violation of ethical uh, standards. <laughs> um, you know, if you are not, you know, and there might be very good reasons that they are doing that, that, you know, they need the money or whatever, but yeah. And it may be, is... they may be contractually obligated to do this kind of a pro uh, kind of stuff as well. Um, but they also have the power to push back against that. Yes. And also you signed up to, to do that unless they got tricked into some contracts. They didn't read the fine print. Right, on, which you know. is really unlikely. It, I mean, it's possible, I guess, but yeah. that that was a more one of the more egregious examples, and I thought a very um, appropriate element to draw it because you know, and maybe this is because I've been listening to some of your wrongabouts about uh, some of the old ones about um, what was it? Oh no, it was it was behind the bastards about uh, Doctor Phil, <laughs> you know, and oh, sure. people who uh, present themselves as medical professionals who with with training, with certifications and such, and then use that platform and the trust they engender with their audience um, irresponsibly and in ways that can get people really hurt. So maybe that's just, you know, it's just in the Kate wheelhouse for things <laughs> that I'm ready to get riled about right now. Um, but I, I like, again, the specificity of that example, even if I don't think that that person, like if this was Twitter, it'd be like, you're John Oliver and they're a local news person, like... 
right. these things are not equal, don't send a mob after them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, I do think this is an excellent point that you're bringing up and something worth considering. And this is not the, you know, it, it, it's tricky because for a lot of people, they do trust their local news and this is right. and they do, they do not engage with it with the distance remover skepticism that they may engage with national news. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they may approach natural national news with, or, you know, the national news media, um, so I think it's an important thing to bring out and to not just like give it a pass, especially when you look at the downright nefarious stuff going on with Sinclair. And, right, um, exactly. Yeah, which they've highlighted. They've talked about that, yeah. So it's it's sort of like this in-between space. So it's an interesting choice of topic and approach for last week tonight. And it's one that I will now be thinking about quite a bit more. Uh, over after this conversation, so thank you, Noel, for yeah, yeah for, for bringing it up and getting me thinking about it. Yeah, no, of course. I yeah, I was watching and I was just like, "This is good. This is good." And then I was like, "This feels a little like it's very much one of those like investigative journalism kind of things that they kind of do, but not really, especially not to this extent." Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also like less investigative journalism and more one of those like broadcast network primetime dateline-esque hidden camera type of deals almost um yeah that always that illuminates something important most of the time but also have that air of sensationalism to them um that just always rubs me slightly the wrong way um even if it's for a good cause um yeah so it, it was just like like I said, I think it's important to highlight this kind of stuff and make people aware of it because, like you said, on the level, most people tend to trust local news a little bit more than not. So highlighting this is good, but yeah, I just yeah, I I'm yeah, I just felt a little weird about it in the end, even if I still think it's important. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listeners, let us know how you feel about it. Um, reach out. Uh, our next show is RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under Recycle which is their crafting challenge. Um, I just wanted to mention this because they brought back Art Simone. Um, and Noel, this is like one of the front runner queens that got shock eliminated in episode two. And now we're in episode four and they're just back. And the other two queens who got eliminated, who are also very good, didn't have the chance to come back. They're just, you know, especially it's like, it's a very white cast. And there also are um, some, there were some, scandals around a couple of the queens for having done blackface and those queens are still in and the two, two, of, the, two of the queens of color <laughs> that got eliminated first and third uh didn't even have a chance to come back but art did uh who is a, an amazing queen really and, and arguably i don't think should have been up for elimination in the first place in the episode that they eliminated uh that that you know that they eliminated them so like in one on one hand i'm like okay fair enough they're really, really good, and I can see why you would bring them back. But also, usually if they bring someone back, they either do, like, a like a mini challenge where, like, the other queens vote on who to bring back, or where, like, you have to earn your way back in. Or they do, it's like, it's a double elimination, so because it's a double elimination, Rue brings one of the other queens back, you know, kind of thing. And this was just like, nope, I wanna, so they're back. Moving on. <laughs> and it's just like, that's a, that's a Tati style choice. That's a choice. Uh, and now I, I mean, it really feels like they're setting up art to win, which 
fair enough. I mean, they've got the goods as far as I'm concerned to go all the yeah. way. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, it. I'm raising a skeptical quizzical <laughs> eyebrow at that. Um, also in Drag Race News, they've announced uh, the cast and premiere date for All Star 6, which is premiering on June 24th, which is the day after my due date. <laughs> so I will, <laughs> I will not be covering All Star 6 for the AB Club. A uh, friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, will be stepping in to do AB Club coverage. So I encourage everyone else to follow her coverage of, of Drag Race All Star 6. But um, but yeah, the, the, it was a big it was a big Drag Race news day the other day with all of that so um, i figured i would mention it here uh, next up is star wars the bad batch and they have cornered which brings back me now when um as the character who's cool who's Finnick name I shand thank Finnick. you yep yes as who's a bounty hunter um and, and is he- heading you know like is following our group um how are you feeling about this season so far and you know the way they're setting everything up yeah, we're a fourth of the way through. The first season's going to be 16. And I feel like the show's still, like, looking for its legs a little bit. Um, which is fine, but it's also... I'm kind of ready for the show to kick into a gear, basically. Um, which is just me being impatient. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I'm... Yeah, I'm just ready for something a little juicier or a little meatier than... Oh, well sorry, we need to go get supplies like, and fix the ship and all this sort of stuff. It weirdly feels very Mandalorian. Um, and I'm kind of like, yeah, but let's, let's do some other stuff. Let's, let's kind of interrogate a little bit more, some other stuff. So, yeah. I'm, I'm still liking the show and Dee Bradley Baker's just killing it. Like, he's really good. Uh, and I'm intrigued by like having Finnick uh, be a potential pursuer of them in addition to crosshair. Um, crosshairs? Hairs? Is it plural? Nope, just crosshair. Just one. Um, mm. In addition to crosshair and as well as whatever um, Admiral whatever his name is. I can't remember the other Admiral. Yeah, that's kind of how I'm feeling about it. Uh, is I'm just ready for it to find a new gear, so I'm hoping that happens really soon. Rampart! Right, how could I forget the name Rampart, Kate? Oi. Um, how are you feeling about the show so far? Yeah, it, I agree. It's very, very Mandalorian energy with what we have going on so far. Um, I liked a lot of what we were getting, but I there's there's a little heavy handedness to some of it um, to the point where I'm like, guys, guys, they're clutching their head. Don't you remember what happened the last time somebody started clutching their head? Their chip went off and they are with the baddies. So like. Clearly, that's what's headed next, you know, for the, I don't even remember the name of the character, the uh, the punchy guy, <laughs> the big guy. Wrecker? Yeah, yeah Wrecker, yeah. He's uh, talking, complaining about headaches, just like Crosshairs was when, when he, before his chip, you know, activated and everything. Um, so. Punchy guy. I, I Well, you know, uh, the ones, the, the, the members of the Bad Batch I remember best are not in this show. <laughs> so. Um, for the most part, but, but I have enjoyed the camaraderie and the energy. Um, I'm hoping for a little more direction and, uh, I'm hoping for more for Omega to do because so far mm-hmm. it's been a lot of save the kid and yes, that makes sense. It's been too much save the kid. Yeah. It, it, it makes sense and all, but like, let's, let's show their utility in the crew and let's let's come up with other stories for us to to engage with um than just that so 
I, I'm enjoying it. I certainly will be keeping up with it. But it doesn't yet have the energy and, the, like, the... It's not grabbing me the way that the previous episodes of Clone Wars and stuff with, with the Bad Batch did. Yeah. Like, those that arc and everything. So... Um, it's got some. It's got some. What of ways to go? It's definitely also benefiting from the shorter runtime, though. Yes, that is true. Yeah, twenty twenty five minutes is great. I love it. Yeah, and D. Bradley Baker's fantastic as always. Any final thoughts on this one? No. Yeah, and I agree with you about Omega. I'm ready for it not to be a Omega gets in trouble type of situation and kind of saves the day, but also gets in trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our next episode is Legends of Tomorrow, Bay of Squids. And uh, no, this feels strange. It feels strange to say. Um, I didn't like the silly climax. It was dumb. And that I I wanted a more serious resolution. That feels strange. But... This is Legends of Tomorrow. When Legends of Tomorrow has them literally play a game of football with the nuclear football, I should be on board with that. That should be absolutely my speed up my alley. And instead, it just is no. Just no. Just all of the no for me. Um, there were, I liked a lot of the other parts of the episode. But the let's just make, you know, spas analogies, spas analogies. Um in the White House, instead of letting Nate be really good at his thing, uh, and yes, he was very good at sports analogies and knowing how to read and play uh, the Kennedys and everything, but, like, I wanted so much more from those scenes, and they did not earn them. <laughs> they did not earn the hype they had had Nate give to to the you know President Kennedy, and it just really was disappointing to me because the other corners of the episode interesting um zari speed typing with her thumbs of course um, it was very funny very funny lots of good stuff but i was i was very surprised like this is i should this is exactly a legends kind of thing i should like it but it didn't it didn't work for me did it work for you no it really really didn't um i was actually struggling for basically the entire episode um across the board like that was that was kind of where i ended up with bay of squids is like yeah this is this is a swing and a miss on mm-hmm. like all kinds of fronts as soon as uh barad put on that hat i just went oh we're doing che okay cool. <laughs> okay the fact that he's jay like he's like no i'm his cousin Jay. <laughs> Delightful. But they need to give him more to do than just be checked out and stoned. Yeah. And so far, all the season, that's all they've done. Like, he's a stoner. Fair enough. That's, like, no judgment. That's the character, you know, that's how he wants to spend his free time, whatever. But they're defining him solely by that. And right. Like, to the point where he does not, he's not engaging with anyone. He seems like he is actively withdrawing and pulling within himself and trying to not be involved. And that is a distinct change for the character. And it does not feel like it's driven by anything other than they have too many actors. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And like, I dug this musical number, but I was also just like, "Uh, but what are we doing here? And this is a weird play on Castro. Also, Castro didn't look like this in the 60s. Yeah. Also, these are not funny people. Like, yeah. 
Um, yeah. Which leads to kind of like the um, JFK of it all, which I f- firmly agree with you that the weirdness of the football, actual like football, um, whatchamacallit, game. Um, that was not the word I wanted, but game's fine. Scrimmage. On top, skirmish. Thank you. That's exactly what I wanted. On top of the sort of Doctor Strange love vibes as well. Um, just never hit for me. Um, part of it was just the fact that the show continues, and I think on purpose by this point, to do horribly with U.S. and President. <laughs> um, this was slightly better than their LBJ, but not by a lot in a different sense. Um, but I just never, I never connected with any of it, and I was frustrated by the way that it lands on a note of let's do this very ridiculous thing, but it just doesn't make any sense. Like it literally makes no sense. There's no even internally logical reason. And legends of tomorrow is normally really good at finding some degree of internal logic for what it wants to do. There's no internal logic for why they suddenly have a football skirmish in the oval office. Like Mm -hmm. there's just none. Um, There's no like, weird chemical there's there's nothing there's no like nerve gas there's no toxin there's no right. like there's no we're in the museum of terrible ideas so that we can justify having a shake weight and yeah. cisco and all this stuff like there's none of that and so it just happens and i'm just like why why is this happening why don't i like this why am i the only thing i'm responding to is ava's horrible russian accent like this is the <laughs> only good thing happening in this episode um, so yeah, I was, I was a little, I was a little befuddled, um, by how I felt about this episode, which is normally not how I like to feel about Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. The, uh, thoughts on the theory that, uh, uh the, a- the alien Kayla is it, is Spooner's mom. Oh, super high. Oh, wow. I hadn't heard that, but yeah, no, totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 100%. And Nick's going to hook up with her. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Great. Hundo percent. That's happening. Just um, looking forward to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, more on that. I'm excited for the next episode. Next episode seems super fun. But yeah, yeah. this was disappointing. Um, and speaking of. we Speaking have of. The Flash, Family Matters Part 2. And mostly, you know, I'm going to actually give it to this episode. You know, here's why. Because. It seems like the Forces arc is done. And thanks yes. to your sweet baby Jesus, because it's been bad. It's been bad from the start. And, uh, every, the, like, uh, like, um, Psych is actually fine. He's, you know, don't worry about all the torturing of people that he was doing and forget the Force that killed somebody. And everything is fine and dandy now. And Nora, like, I'm sure did a lot of damage to a lot of people. When she was lashing out. Um, but they're when a happy family. So, yeah. Like, Dark Phoenix, Dark Willow. But for half an episode. <sighs> it's not worth it for the scene at the end with Barry and Iris. It's almost worth it for the scene at the end with Barry and Iris. Because it's so adorable and lovely. But, like, you didn't need to spend this many episodes. You didn't need to hit the, we're a family, there are children. It's like, no, you've known them for, like, they did not sell it. I mean, Greg Gustin and Cam Spatton can sell a lot. Nobody's going to sell that. And the sibling dynamic, the, um, like, like Alexa going from being someone who has a place in the community as an organizer and is running a charity to, like, I'll just leave all of this um, instantly didn't make any sense. 
all of it just like yeah um it is bad i'm glad that that is done now it was really bad because nothing stayed for more than 30 seconds in this episode Mm -hmm. and it was i was legitimately confused halfway through the episode of oh all the other forces are the bad ones and Nora's the good one. And then that's immediately not dealt with in any way, shape, mm-hmm. or form. To which I'm like, wait, were they making the lightning or was it happening unconsciously? Were they doing it on purpose? What's, I'm sorry, I'm confused by the earthquakes and the lightning. Was all this on purpose? It wasn't, it wasn't explained. Okay, great, cool. So it was just deeply, deeply confusing about where I was supposed to be looking in terms of like a structure and a, for what this episode wanted to the story it wanted to tell because it kept changing its mind every like other scene about where the focus was. And it just resulted in a real mishmash of an episode that didn't work really. Like you, I'm very, very glad that this, the forces arc is done uh, because like you said, it was, underbaked it wasn't good it was kind of it was just very mushy and the resolution is largely unearned um so much so that i'm kind of like cool kids cool 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 okay well so long as we're moving on and jordan fisher's coming on the show i guess i'm going to be okay with it (laughs) um but yeah i was just like yeah it just it wasn't good and it was deeply confusing I do still kind of appreciate the fact that the show's whole ethos this season seems to be Barry can solve any problem by just loving something enough. And I don't hate that. But I also have just like, what happens when that doesn't work? It's gonna not work, right? It's gonna not work. Um, And then... We have to talk One about other, Frost. Right, that's the thing. Is like The other thing we need to talk about, speaking of getting undone two minutes later... Frost went to jail with no chance of probation or parole or anything. Life in prison. But breaking out of prison to get other escaped metacriminals back into prison cleared that slate. Even though this is exactly what she had been doing for the past two to three years and it didn't seem to matter then. So why does it matter now? But also, like, even just on a technical level... All of a sudden, she's just in the middle of a not jail. And, like, I was yeah. like, did I miss several scenes? What the hell is going on? And she's fighting a guy. And that's it. And, like, they don't even really bother hand-waving? Hand-waving is more work than they do here for why she is not in jail. And it's just, like, it's confusing and it's bad. And <laughs> The show is, even when we complain about the writing, the show is usually better than that. Um, so, wow. It's, it, it's befuddling. Yeah. Um, I I do, you know, think they're, they're doing a pretty good job with you know, getting up towards the departure for uh, Cisco. So I, I look forward to what they're going to do in the next episode with that. I like that we are getting uh, a sense of where that's headed um, in the next episode. Um so yeah, I'm I'm sure they will stick the landing with that based just on the performers involved. But yeah, it's just it was a very strange episode. So not good, yeah, not good. Our next episode is Superman and Lois, Man of Steel, and uh, I thought this was, a, this was a pretty strong episode. They they really are, are doing some good stuff with um, well, I mean, really the whole 
family. And we get uh, the Jordan dealing with his super hearing and trying to, you know, like focus, like the overwhelming, you know, uh, oversensitization of that and how that's impacting him. Uh, John, there's some good stuff with him as well. Um, but they fold that in with some developments with Morgan Edge and with Alana and um, and Lois team up kind of thing that's working. But the big thing here is we get an identity for the stranger. Have you heard what this is? I have not heard what this is. Um, so I had, like, I know that there's something about it, but I don't know what it is. Okay, so... He's the 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 AI calls him Captain Luther, right? Mm-hmm. The AI calls right. him Captain Luther because they didn't have a chance to uh, to reprogram the AI before he took off in the suit. Um, he is not in any way related to Lex Luther. He's John Henry Irons. He is Steel. Oh, interesting. So, yes. but from another Earth, though. But from another Earth, okay. Where where and he was married to Lois. They had a kid. And okay. Superman killed Lois. Okay, um, and so, so and it, total, and it's like total in the, injustice. It's in the the, the, the yeah. black like uh, Elseworlds Superman yeah. outfit. Everyone. Okay, and there's a bunch of crypto other Kryptonians who like basically took over the planet, and you know horrible things happened. So he swore vengeance on Superman, um, and I think in the next episode we're gonna get um, like his. Like, we got, like, half of the origin story in this episode, and then we're going to get the other half of how he ended up, you know, it, across time or, like, ending up in this world. Um, and so he can, you know, he's just determined that he sees what he thinks is going to happen, you know, and so he's trying to prevent it. He's trying to kill baby Hitler, basically, okay, <laughs> before sure. Superman turns kind of a thing. Um, so we will, you know, get more. But I, I, what what a terrific left turn for that character and mm-hmm. um yeah it, it's it's really i think handled pretty well so i was actually rather impressed with this episode um and and also the way that what we find out fits with what we've done so far it's more a more interesting take than what we thought we were getting and um should hopefully allow for some interesting developments as they continue to expand this morgan edge stuff so, yeah, I thought it was cool. Wanted to give it a shout out. Um, is that peak your interest enough to catch up or not yet? I mean, I'm only behind on this episode. Um, okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was going to watch it anyway. I'm intrigued by that. I don't know that it makes it necessarily more interesting because it's still... I have to destroy an evil uh, Superman because the evil Superman in my world is horrible. Mm-hmm. Um, which, again, I still find really, really boring. I think having it be John Henry Irons is interesting enough to kind of give it hopefully a different kind of perspective, but we'll see. Yeah, that's true. Um, next we have our, and last we have the series finale of Black Lightning, the Book of Resurrection, Chapter 2, Closure. Um, first, mm-hmm. let's pour it out for yet another interesting spinoff that's not happening. The Painkiller spinoff is not being picked up by the CW, though I heard from rumblings that maybe they'll be able to sell it to HBO Max, um, yeah, but who knows? Maybe. Um, this is, I mean, I was more interested in the the Green Arrow and the Canaries spinoff. Yeah. Um, but, but that's now three backdoor pilots where it's like, you know, it wasn't necessarily my jam, but it's certainly the work they've done with Khalil in these last few episodes um, of Black Lightning, I think, have really set up a 
potential for him to lead the this painkiller show and have that be something really interesting and promising. And then there was black, there was the green arrow and the canaries, and then there was wayward daughters. So that's and I was like, <laughs> the backdoor pilots I like, you guys don't pick up, and the ones I don't like, you do. <laughs> um, so you know. I think they just wanted to be out of the Black Lightning business, which is disappointing. Um, what did you think of this finale? And uh, were you as like, huh? And was this really necessary as I was with the whole J.J. Jen thing? Yeah, I went very much went, huh? Oh, okay, show. Was kind of how I responded to that. Um, I think that this episode is aggressively overstuffed. Um, for a finale of very much a okay, we got to get everything as much as possible. We've got to get everything, and but also they threw in this kitchen sink about the JJ and Jennifer stuff, which I don't really feel like is necessary. Um, and is sort of there just to make Jefferson be right, and that was weird. I think it's just there to bring the actress back, yeah, and to give her a fight scene. Like you know, like I think if the show had been renewed, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. I think that is just really weird, and I didn't really care for it, especially given how well I think that the show did in making us like JJ. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, this this seems kind of unnecessary, and I don't I don't need it in this when I could have spent more time on literally anything else. Um, but that being said. Um, I still think that this is generally pretty satisfying, even if it probably because of COVID and various other things, it never really hit those heights that I was really hoping it was going to hit in its final season. Um, Tobias's like ultimate plans and everything never really coalesced into anything that meant something. Um, his whole deal with getting onto this shadow council or whatever it was meant nothing to me. <laughs> well, or to the show. Or to the show, right. Because like, um, there's no fallout so, from that. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just kind of like, okay. But we did finally get a showdown between him and Jefferson that I think was pretty solid in terms of a fight sequence, but also ended in the most grotesquely funny way possible mm-hmm. um, that had me both kind of cringing and laughing at the same time as Tobias's probably accurately behaving when one is impaled on a spire. <laughs> but it also just kind of looked a little silly. Um, and I was still like, yeah, buddy, yeah, you just fire both of those guns at the same time. Do it. Yes, excellent. I love it. Okay. It's so, so deliciously comic book. It's perfect for the right, character. Exactly. It's it's like it's right for the energy of the show and, and for Tobias and specifically for his and Jefferson's dynamic. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So that's kind of where I ended up is like, this was pretty okay. It was still a little too busy um, in terms of also wanting to like tie up the lightning and the police chief thing, which just doesn't go anywhere. Yep. Um, And yeah, weirdly, like the big thing that I'm taking that I want from this Black Lightning finale, in addition to Thunder and Lightning showing up in whatever crossover that The Flash does with Legends of Tomorrow, I guess, <laughs> um, is that I really want the metahuman dampener emitter thing to become a thing on The Flash. <laughs> because I feel like that police chief 
here in Freeland would get along really well with what's her name on the flash right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just like, oh, there's so many good ideas here that we're not going to get. Anyway, I've been talking for a couple of minutes. How did you feel about this finale? Yeah, I, I wonder when they knew they were not getting picked up because they had like a five season plan kind of thing. And so I'm wondering, and, and the fifth season was basically going to be rebuilding Freeland. Like that was the plan or mm-hmm. the overall, according to the showrunner, at least. And that's what they were going to focus on. And like, you know, the hard work of rebuilding, you know, it's easy to, to like kill Tobias on the scale of things. It's much harder to rebuild the crumbling infrastructure of a city that's, you know, gone through everything that the city has gone through. Um, especially like, okay, we just killed the mayor. <laughs> um, the police chief is off Twice. the rails. Um, yeah. And uh, Lala's out of, you know, the, the carbonite. So, um, that was a good scene, him coming oh. out of that concrete. It was great. It was it was hilarious, yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> and ending on, like, an evil laugh or cackle. You know, delightful. Um, so, like, I, I think that there was, like, you can see the pieces of what the next season would have been, and that probably would have involved the Shadow Council and these other things, too. But um, the way that they chose, I mean, I think they did pretty well if they only had a few episodes to tidy everything up. But I just did, was not a fan of some of the choices of how they did that. Like, the whole, like, oh, it's so nice to breathe oxygen in this human body. That's weird. Yes, I... Hello, fellow humans. Um, was a bit much for JJ. Uh, the as, as much as it's nice to see, you know, the other actor back, um, having it grace... Grace's, like, oh, it was my... Um, leopard skill you know my leopard sense like led us all astray i'm so sorry it's like no that was actually really cool and really great and if they hadn't done such a good job with how they handled that introduction of jj and everything then it would not feel like such a letdown when they undo all of it you know um yeah it's just it's i think given if they only had a few episodes to kind of tie things up, I think they actually did a pretty good job. I like where they leave Thunder and Grace. I like where they leave, um, uh, is it uh, TC? And uh, I like the idea of the elder generation retiring ish. (laughs) Um, Sure. I like uh, that, you know, like, or the Gamby's thing, we kept waiting for it to lead somewhere and it didn't, you know, um, I, so I like all of that. I like Lynn and Jefferson getting, you know, remarried or planning to get remarried um, as sort of like bringing their arc, you know, their relationship to this point to end the show on. But uh, if you step back from that context of we thought we were getting a fifth season and then that didn't happen. So we had to tie it up in two or three. Um, then it's kind of disappointing. But I still really enjoyed the show overall. And I think oh, on the whole the stuff that the show got right is so much more important to me than the stuff it got that it maybe didn't handle as well that I don't really care long term. I think I think this is a show that's going to really sit well in my memory amongst these uh, CW shows. Yeah, I think that's super accurate. I would really agree with you. I think that the show as a whole is much stronger than this particular final season ended up being. And I also think that had they been able to do that rebuilding season, um, it probably would have, everything in this season might have sat a little bit better than it Mm -hmm. ends up sitting. Um, But 
Yeah, on the whole, I think that the show was a really good expansion of the Arrowverse, um, even if the show itself always felt really isolated from it, even after it was integrated um, into it, apart from a, I know a guy at Star Labs who's real fast. Uh, <laughs> um, just like, okay, Jeff. Um, mm-hmm. But on the whole, like it actually addressed and tackled issues that Arrow in particular kept skirting around instead of addressing head on. Um and I really appreciate Black Lightning for providing a corrective, a much needed corrective lens on these shows um, in particular. So for that, great stuff. And also, you know, it gave us Wayne Brady as a evil Captain America, and I'm not going to be upset about that. Nope, that's uh, that's always gonna. We're always gonna have that one. An evil, but justifiably so, Captain America. I should like add an asterisk to <laughs> justifiably so. Yeah, a, a much more interesting and nuanced take on yeah. that. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's one that hopefully people will, because, you know, I never got the ratings of something like The Flash. Hopefully people will, you know, seek out at some point and fill in their gaps, especially if uh, they do bring Jefferson onto the next Flash crossover. Like, I know that that has been talked about in the past week or so that that may be happening. Um, okay. I, I want to see Thunder and Grace, you know, <laughs> Thunder Grace <laughs> um, headed over to Batwoman personally, but you know, that's Oh, me. right. Yeah. I forgot about Batwoman because it was off this week and I didn't think about that as a potential crossover site. So I apologize to Batwoman, mm. um, which by the way, I caught up on Batwoman and I'm really happy with the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so More on that soon. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but what wins your weekend TV? That is a really good question. Um, Normally it would have just been Restaurant Wars, but we talked about it last week. Yeah, but I'm going to say Restaurant Wars. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have anything that really won my week this week. Um, so, yeah. Um, though, you know what, Kate? I did really enjoy the, what they did on hiatus and after hiatus sketch on Amber Ruffin this week was very funny and it made me think about us and what we would end up doing on our hiatus <laughs> yeah. yeah and i'm there doing the fist yeah i'm doing the pose <laughs> right now oh very good what about very you good. what won your week um of these i'll give it to superman and lois um with a you know like i, I might maybe tie with black lightning because even if it wasn't the best episode i enjoyed it while i was watching it and i it it's a pretty satisfying conclusion to a show i've really enjoyed watching so I don't think they stuck the landing. I don't think they nailed it. There are several like, Wah. but in the moment, I think they did what they needed to do with buildups and payoffs and and all of that and performances certainly. Um, so you know that that's what's going to get it for me this week. But um, but I also you know enjoyed the little bit of legendary that I got to see today. I'm going to catch up with the rest of the episode and talk about it next week. But um, yeah, uh, that's what that's what I'll give it to this week. Now we'll take a break and listen to the theme song and come back to talk about It's Okay Not to Be Okay.
That was the theme song for It's Okay Not to Be Okay on Netflix. This is a K-drama and a romance that has 16 episodes. We're talking about the first eight here, which is like the first half season um, of the show. And this is recommended to us, highly, highly recommended to us by one of our listeners, Vince. So we wanted to to seek it out. It follows a trio of people. Really, it's our romantic pair, our leads. But it's... um, We've got two brothers, one of whom the older brother is autistic. The younger brother is a caregiver who keeps, um, and they keep moving every, uh, just under a year because of some trauma um, in their past that triggers the older brother to have nightmares and episodes around the time, like air, like when the butterflies come. So the changing of the seasons where all of a sudden there starts being uh, more butterflies that, causes a lot of difficulties for him and so they and they end up moving to a new town and so the the younger brother has to like starts at a new hospital or, or a, a psychiatric facility as a as a caregiver and um and ends up you know so he they, they've got some stuff going on with them and then there's uh a famous children's author who they meet um who may or may not have an intertwined past with them. <laughs> um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's complicated to explain, but it's f- fairy tales and romance and trauma all rolled up together um, in yeah. a really interesting and beautiful and creepy way. If you like gory, like the author and the, the artist, I feel like there's a, you're going to enjoy this, uh, the the energy of our, children's author here and her books like was it a zombie zombie kid mm-hmm. and um but also the cheerful dog also the cheerful dog and um the boy who ate nightmares and yes. um uh, and just all of this it's a it's you know the title tells you a lot of what you need to know it's okay not to be okay um and trying to deal with trauma and help yourself and other people heal and um, i don't know that the show always you know, has the best messaging around this and the healthiest messaging around this, but it certainly makes for some compelling TV. What did you think of these episodes? Yeah. So I think that the, when you're kind of describing like the show, a lot of it is like pushing daisies tonally in a lot of ways mm-hmm. by way of um, a romance novel, by way of a soap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's like a lot of various influences kind of percolating in this and some of this may also just be a lack of familiarity with k-dramas i've only watched like a couple and never to like completion um i can't remember the ones i've watched i think coffee boyfriend was one of them is that one i think i'm making up that title um you're saying that as if i know i do not know (laughs) i cannot help you here (laughs) so i think that there's a lot of um like stuff in this, but it's all executed, I think, really, really well. Um, and on the whole, I do really like the show. I think that I have, like, kind of structural issues with it a little bit to a certain degree. Um, and we can get into that. But what I do generally really like is that we've got a group of really charismatic actors, like, across the board. No one is bad. Um... And you've got a really good story about acceptance and working through trauma, um, but also 
at the flip side of that, you also have people who are terrible at setting boundaries in part because of their trauma. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That kind of makes things a little mushy, but I also feel like the show's aware of that at the same time. Um, Because there's always something in an episode that pushes back against an emotional action, really, um, from a more rational sense. So that I really appreciate. So I think that there's a really solid layering of impulses and acts in across the show, especially as it gets later into the run, um, that I think just really come together in a really, really good way. So yeah, that's kind of like a bird's eye view of how I was feeling about it. Yeah, it, you know, in at least in these first eight episodes, there's a sense, you know, and I I may have peeked ahead to mm-hmm. get you know to to find out a little bit more about what happens. You do get answers for a lot of the things I was curious about um, by the end of the season, but there's some other stuff that is not answered in a way that I understand. <laughs> that I like, why does their friend they have? So we our main characters, I should say their names. Um, you've got the, the two brothers are, are, uh, Gangte and Sangte, uh, or, or Sangtai and Gangtai. Um, and then there's Moon Young as the, the author, but they also have a good friend who also moves around with them and upsets his life every year. Uh, Jaisu, Jaisu, mm-hmm. um, and they don't say why or give a reason, and other than he he will if he wants to, but like, and the performance is really good, and I like that character, but I kept like, you have not earned this show, <laughs> like, it's been ten years. He's worked at fifteen hospitals in ten years, like, they've moved fifteen times in ten years, and he's this friend has restarted a new job as like a delivery guy each time, like. Running a chicken restaurant for 14 of those times. <laughs> then he finally settled down to do a pizza place, which good for him. Which good for him. Uh, but if it's just like, there needs to be a reason beyond, you know, they're my, fr- they're my buddy. <laughs> and they never give one, um, to my knowledge, at least, unless I missed, you know, there's something in the episodes that, that I haven't seen yet. Um, the, there is other stuff that, is really meted out. And when I started it, I knew very little about it. I'm glad I knew very little about it because just the way it kicks off, it was like, oh, Ooh, like storybook. Like, Ooh, this is okay. I didn't know to expect this. This is awesome. I'm on board. Um, but I didn't know just how soapy parts of it were going to be. And mm-hmm. when I, if I had known that, then I think I would have bought in on some of the things sooner. Okay. Uh, sure. About the, like, like you remind me of a girl that I knew once uh, that, of, you know, that I like you're supposed to buy into the idea that maybe these characters don't know that like the that they've met as children or, or may, they aren't sure or it's somebody else or is it actually them? And like, do they not know their names? You know, that kind of a thing. Like if this is a significant enough relationship and memory and traumatizing, you know, things from their past that. They should know that person's name. <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, I, I'm okay with them not knowing each other's names. Um, that didn't bother me. Oh, I'm so. not. <laughs> yeah. Especially when you get some more reveals about some other connections between the families. Um, yeah. So like, but there's some, so there's some stuff like that, that, that 
I ended up being more confused and wasn't sure if it was something that I was missing in the subtitles or in the translation or the other. And it wasn't. It was just they hadn't like they were going to explain that in episode five or episode, seven, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, and and if I had just watched this the way that it was intended, which is like an episode a week, I'm sure I wouldn't have had any trouble with that. That is something that I was getting frustrated at based on my binge model of viewing because I was worried I was missing things and that I was like not, you know, like that, that I was because of how I was ingesting it. I wasn't sitting and thinking about it. You know what I mean? Um, so that that's very much a me thing, not a show thing. Right. But I would say that if listeners are going to check it out, I would definitely pace it like an episode a day or an episode a, a week or something like that. Like I would definitely pace it out and really linger in it. It's a show that wants you to linger in it. It's paced as such. And um, it, I, you know, it, it's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful to look at. And, and we should talk more about some of the characters. We should talk more about the performances. But we also have to make sure we talk about some of the aesthetics because the, the, the storybook elements, like the different, like mixed medium of, of the different art styles that we see are absolutely beautiful and really memorable. And this, this would have been on some of my best of the year lists for last year if I had seen it. Um, in time, this would have been in like, you know, like some of the design categories, this would have been in original animation, like it mentioned in that some of that kind of stuff, because it really was, it's very striking. And uh, I'm very glad I mean, I, I never would have sought this out. If Vince hadn't, you know, given it such a sterling recommendation. So I'm very much glad that we did decide to seek it out, despite, you know, my question marks about some of the plot things or, you know, or my own foolish choice to wait too long to start watching it. Um, it really, I think is a, I think I liked it more than you did. Yeah. Well, I, and so let's talk about the pacing. Cause you brought that up in like the method of watching. Yeah. I think one of the things that I realized kind of killed my momentum for this a little bit. Um, and I want to note that episode eight is sort of like the exception that kind of proves this rule is that the show doesn't have any act breaks in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it makes the episodes a march um, to get through, especially at 75 minutes um, minimum. Uh, Maximum, I should say. Most of them are like between 70 and 75. Um, And I just, Kate, I like act breaks. Movies have act breaks, essentially. These episodes do not have act breaks for the most part. Um, and it just wears me down. Um, it reminded me a lot about watching, um, like The Sopranos, which the f- I've only ever watched the first season, and I had the same problem of there's no act break. Give me an act break of some kind so that your story is structured. And episode eight does a really good job of actually providing clear act breaks and also a really solid, much more clear thematic spine to the episode than I feel like a lot of the preceding episodes had, which is why I was like so delighted when I got to episode eight. I was just like, yes, oh, I'm ready to watch more now. I've been reinvigorated by the fact that there's this really kind of clear delineation between things that I normally don't get in the other episodes because it is very much a drive through these plot points to get to the next thing um, that sometimes never coalesces for me structurally into like a full episode and feels much more like an installment of a movie, basically, which I don't like. Um, 
to that end, like, I co-sign your idea of watching one episode a day or even, like, a couple a week, basically, I think is the best way to watch this. Um, but if you do binge it and that works for you, more power to you. I just could not. Um, and I was watching two to three episodes a day, basically. Um, and that was a mistake. <laughs> for yeah. me, anyway. Um, but, yeah, let's talk about the aesthetics because this show's gorgeous. Like, it's really, really pretty. Um, they do really great stuff with cinematography. They do really great stuff with deep focus, um, in some spots, but I also want to really drive home how those aesthetics end up serving both really beautiful, dramatic, romantic moments and beautiful, horribly funny comedic moments. Like the show is very, very funny and it is excels at framing both of those things really well. And I think in particular about like in that ridiculously gorgeous mansion castle thing um, that we move into towards the end of the first half, um, the flip of Gong Tae catching Moon Young um, on the stairs, but then catching her publisher, uh, mm-hmm. the uh, Sang In, who just, <laughs> delightful human being so he's horrible but i love him to bits um but he catches him as he's about to fall off um and there's just so much good deadpan too in terms of like character reactions to things and it's just it's all staged really really well and with such careful eye to all of its aspects that everything feels perfectly tailored even down to smaller comedic bits like basically everything with the okay psychiatric hospital doctor is gold like mm-hmm. it's just all gold um so i i really love how it looks i really love the storybook aspects like you've mentioned i love like the stop motion animation that they employ throughout sometimes it's just it's very visually lush and i'm really delighted by that it like for me the comedy kicks up a bit by the third episode yes and- i agree and it, that really, like, that for me was the last piece that kind of clicked into place. Where it's like, okay, yes, it needed this. And, like, I didn't notice it lacking in the first two episodes as much. But when they start, when I started, like, giggling <laughs> along with certain moments, I was like, yeah, okay, yeah. Those first two episodes, it's, it's very, it's very serious. It's very serious yeah. um, at the it's beginning. Bordering on too serious. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah once it finds some air it's much much better yeah and i also like as they develop and and find more space for and a reason for there to be a relationship with uh with moon young and sangte sangte um the the author and the the older brother too and once they start exploring his art more and get you know that also really i think helps um with some of the balance but uh yeah it's it's it, it is absolutely, like you said, it's absolutely beautiful to look at. I like some of the editing choices. Like the, the, it has just visual language that is not common, at least in the shows that we watch. And we watch a lot of shows, <laughs> a lot of different American shows. But like, they'll so frequently cut to uh, like a half screen shot of two characters talking to each other, or looking at each other with like kind of like a fuzzy border in between them, right? Yeah, almost uh, a, a split screen, yeah. Yeah, like a split screen. Um, and like there, and so the, which gives it, you know, it's a very distinctly K drama feel. I, I say I've seen very few K dramas. I've seen like two, maybe. And, but it still feels very Korean. 
it's a pretty like East Asian trope uh-huh. um, with this kind of stuff. Uh, so live action, especially like contemporary live action. It's it, the split screen stuff is pretty common as well as those ending with those long looks. Mm-hmm. Well, um, it's, it's also like straight. There's a lot like romance people. You will love yes, this. Straight. You will dig this. Yes. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot to enjoy. The they're they're very good at the look in this show. Oh God, um, are they? Yeah, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, there's several characters that can that nail the look, have the, have their PhD in the look. Um, do you? Do, are there any other characters you want to make sure to mention or shout out? We, we I feel like we should talk about Sangte a little bit as well. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Let's talk about Sangte a little bit. Um. Because I do think that Oh Jung Si, um, say who plays him, does a pretty solid job. Um, he is not autistic himself. Um, no, the actor, yeah, the actor is not. Um, so that's worth mentioning. Um, and I think he does a really solid job here, though. Um, it doesn't feel like caricature, at least to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels pretty authentic. Um, at least to um folks on the autism spectrum that I've interacted with um, in roughly with where he is. Um, so that all generally worked pretty well for me. Um, how did it play for you? Yeah, I would agree. Um, again, you know, obviously this is, there's, there's a very wide spectrum, um, yeah. but the people that I know who are on the autism spectrum somewhere near this character, there's a lot of touch points that felt really authentic and felt really, um, honest and uh, respectful uh, and and uh, or meaning like as opposed to m- the magical autism that you see in far too many shows uh, that comes and goes and is there for dramatic effect and to make the plot interesting or difficult or whatever um, as opposed to part of the character's like core and who they are and how they experience and interact with the world um, so for me it worked uh and then, you know, obviously as a neurotypical person, I, you know. Right. Yeah. Same. We're, you know, we don't, you know, this is not our area of expertise. Uh, I will say that I was more fond of this performance and this portrayal and the writing for this character. Um, and I liked that at least that like, it seemed like there was, you know, the beginning in the first few episodes, there's a little bit of like, like martyr complex for for Gangtai or Gangtai. Um, yes. And I like that it gets more nuanced pretty quickly and more interesting pretty quickly. Um, and th- I liked that the, yeah, there's just, there's more going on. And, 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 and I think they pace that out well for the character, having the character realize that there's more going on just as the, the audience needs to as well. So mm-hmm. I think that I think that all works pretty well. Um, any any other? We mentioned the boss, the the publisher. <laughs> um, any anybody else you wanted to to mention? Well, I do want to ask you how you feel about the the frankly kind of even by the show standards kind of half hearted ro- uh, love triangle that they try to introduce again. Like I needed so much more backstory. I needed there to be like. And some of it's that they're slow playing things that are going to be revealed later. And it to me, it's it's too much. Like, it doesn't benefit the show because yeah. they slow play things to such an extent. I'm confused as to how does this person know this person and that person Elementary well school. from their childhood. That's it. That's but they don't know each other, we're supposed to think. You know, like, it doesn't... 
they're from a small town. You yeah. know, it doesn't make sense. Um, no, they they like know each other, but like not really well, um, and not since like elementary school. I think what I mean is, yeah. there's a love triangle. Yeah, and one of the points in that triangle knows both people pretty well, pretty yes. darn well, and to, they both have made a, a strong impact, and they've kept in touch <laughs> over the years. And the other two people in that triangle theoretically do not know each other. Have never met each other before, but they're all from the same small town, and it doesn't make any sense. And so that's why I was watching the early episodes. I kept getting confused. It's like, wait, well, that's the nurse character though, but she knows yeah. her. But wait, but she knows him. Yes, from back home. But wait, but didn't they? But then, but these two don't know each other. So what is going on? What am I missing? And I wasn't missing anything. It was just that they were trying to slow play some reveals, and <laughs> so I got really annoyed <laughs> because uh, by the time I realized, oh no, they are just lying about not knowing each other this whole time. Ah, okay. <laughs> I was very frustrated with myself. For worrying so much that I was missing things and confusing things. And like, show this was needlessly obtuse. You could have just gotten a lot clearer about this sooner. Yeah. And I treated all of that like it's a soap. And the show's going to tell me this stuff if it's going to tell me this stuff when it wants to. Um, And that's kind of how I approach basically everything in the show, especially when it deals with like the history of the characters is as important to the show as anything else is, but the history is also has to be slow played by the very nature of everyone's trauma. Because if you get to it too quickly, there's no show. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly. Yes. Um, So I think that that's, that's kind of the key where I came in going like, it's a soap. Like this is what a lot of K dramas are just soaps. Um, and with very particular cultural connotations um, and cultural tropes that are built in, um, even if a number of things also feel very universal to the romance genre, um, especially the romance novel genre, the power dynamics between Moon Young and Gang Tae in particular draw really heavily <laughs> on what my understanding of romance novels are, which is a side note of saying, if you really enjoy Bridgerton... Mm-hmm. It's okay not to be okay will be very much up your alley, despite the fact that it takes place in contemporary Korea. But you know what? The clothes are still really good, y'all. The clothes are really good. Really, really good. Um, And also, they slow play things a lot more. Very different pacing than Bridgerton. Yes, very, very different. But the style and the... Lots of smoldering. Yes. um, You know, there's there's some eye candy. Those long eye stares, man. Yep. It's also yep. much funnier than Bridgerton is to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, no, I mentioned the Doctor, who's probably my favorite character of the entire show. Like, he's just delightful. Um, and very much the archetypal, seemingly a quack, but definitely not, um, type of character. Which is always my favorite. Um, but I actually pretty much love everyone at the psychiatric uh, hospital. Uh-huh. They're all good. Like, those are all good boys and girls across the board. Uh, I have no notes. Um, the show really, again, like I said, it clicks when the comedy comes in. And that's also yes. when they reset to the hospital. The, okay, psychiatric hospital. And that's when the show, re- like, they have a couple episodes of setup. And that's when the show really, like, coalesces. And that is a big part of why. 
Absolutely. Um, the only thing, other thing I want to note is, um, Kate, did, while you were watching this, did you have the sudden urge to buy a Volvo? Because oh I did. <laughs> like, I really want to buy a Volvo now. Some of the like, product placement. Yeah. I just really want one and maybe something from Subway. Maybe. Um, I will say, I, I <laughs> so that we can end on the Volvo. Um, I will say that the, uh, the depictions of trauma and how you deal with trauma and how you ignore people's boundaries and uh and such and the romanticization of that is troubling and no one no one take advice from this show do not act how these characters act go get yourself some therapy find this doctor in this show in realsies and like you know but don't you know start stabbing people because you can't connect because you have horrible childhood uh, or horribly abusive parents you know like this is not good. This is not healthy. I have very, very much Hannibal vibes, right? Obviously not like, you know, Hannibal Lecter, serial killer, eating right. people. But not not a few degrees below that. Yeah, but not out of the conversation, yeah. <laughs> dynamic-wise, between our leads here. Um, so I want to make sure I mentioned that. But yeah, like, like particularly the, uh, I'm not going to hit you with my car. Probably seen <laughs> um, hilarious and also not 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 uh, the the product placement I would have expected. Um, but hey, it was effective. I, we remember that it's a Volvo. Well, how could we not? There's so many close-ups of the grill. <laughs> Everyone um, drives the same Volvo, um, mm-hmm. maybe in a different color, but it's basically the same midsize SUV. Um, or it's via the Volvo's like sports car, um, mm-hmm. which is great and fine. It's just really, really amusing to me that everyone basically drives the same car. Um, cause I'm constantly going like, there's no way these people can afford this car. And yet here it is. Um, but you know what? Poor Lee sang is driving that broken down minivan. Poor guy. Yeah, just no luck, and he his mustache got shaved off. Mm-hmm. Well, any final thoughts on it's okay not to be okay? No, it's very good. Um, I'm going to probably watch the rest of the show after we wrap up. Um, mm-hmm. after we go on hiatus because we've still got some other stuff to watch. Um, for uh third segments that I want to make sure I have time for. But I'll probably maybe pepper in an episode here and there. Um, but I'm definitely going to finish this. And I expect texts because I'm going to want to know what you think when you get to some of the twists. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. yeah, I have gotten to no twists. No twists? Um, Ooh, okay. Well, I don't know. Like, I don't know what twists you're talking about, to be honest yeah. with you. It, um, well, not so much twists so much as, like, reveals or, like, you know, shadings and, you know. You'll you'll know. You'll okay. know when you get to yeah. certain things. Okay. So. We'll leave it there. Tantalizing little hint of the future. <laughs> uh, listeners, let us know what you thought if you watched the show. Uh, if you're going to check it out, let us know as well. Um, and again, Vince, thanks for recommending it because it was so cool. Like, I, I come off something much more mixed on this, but I, I really do think it's just because I watched it in a dumb way. Because <laughs> there's a lot to really enjoy. And I, I certainly did enjoy my time with the show this week. And like you, I will look forward to meeting out the rest of it at a more like a more reasonable pace the way that it was designed to be watched um 
and not the way that I tried to watch it this week. So um, a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can find an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed up in Apple Podcasts where you can leave us a rating or review. Um, we'd appreciate it. Let us know if you do. You can also find us in Stitcher, where which is the M4A feed. Um, so if you want to find those older episodes, you got to look in the MP3 feed. We only have 50 episodes <laughs> in the M4A feed. We have, you know, like like 800 or something in the MP3 feed. So it's a, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot, guys. Anyways, um, you can also find us both on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great discussion this week, Kate. Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.